0: Business unusual: separating economic facts from fiction.
1: Hello, and welcome to Business Unusual. I am Annelisa Dube, and I'm broadcasting from Victoria Falls at the Zimbabwe National Chamber of Commerce Congress, where topical economic issues are being discussed. Now. Earlier today, I moderated a panel which looked at the second half of the 2022 economic outlook, as well as the recommendations on what best can be done to grow the economy. And on this panel, I was joined by Majur Pundu, who is a country manager of Zimbabwe with the World Bank. I was joined by Eddie Cross, who is a consultant, as well as permanent secretary within the Ministry of Energy and Power Development, engineer Gloria Magombo, Um, African Development Bank, country economist, Kelvin Banda, as well as Shelton Sibanda, who is a chief investment officer at Imara Asset Management Limited. Have a listen at the conversation we had on the economic situation of Zimbabwe and recommendations for the second half of the year. I'll start with Eddie Cross. You are um, an expert in, in this issue and several times we have numbers that are thrown around, inflation figures, um, stagflation that we we're talking about just now. What is your assessment of the current situation in Zimbabwe.
2: Okay, thank you. Uh, Thank you very much, Madam Chair. Um, The title of this particular session in the program is Headwinds and Recommendations. So what I did, Madam Chair, was just list what I thought were the major headwinds confronting us in 2022. And I start with number one, the exchange rate. Um, And I think that this is absolutely the top agenda item um, the second is inflation linked to the exchange rate because the major driver of the inflationary pressures in the economy today is in fact the continued depreciation in the PMR which is dictating retail prices and uh, I don't see any prospect of that changing I do not think that the measures adopted by the government in the last four days five days uh, will make any impact on the PMR in fact uh, today it's continued to deteriorate and until we bring that under control I really don't see any solution the third element for this year is the poor agricultural season we've just had we've had adequate rain in quantum terms Harari I think has had close to a thousand millimeters which is well above normal but in fact the distribution was terrible and uh, the result of that is that agricultural output this year is going to be about half of what it was last year. Even the winter wheat crop, I think will be about half of what it was last year, mainly because we were unable to finance the crop. And then finally, I list as number four in the headwinds for this year, as the potential for instability. I I think we mustn't take our present stability for granted. I think we need to recognize that there are substantial pressures in the economy, and we need to address those and address those urgently.
1: Okay, so um, I'll go to uh, Mike Kamungiremo. I know that earlier this year, as uh, the ZNCC, you had recommendations or that you submitted to the Ministry of Finance as well as the, the Reserve Bank. And one of the issues that you highlighted there is that maybe, and I think Eddie highlighted it as well earlier in his presentation, that Perhaps the policies that we have are not focusing on what they should be focusing on. Can you just briefly talk about, in that uh, also in the space of headwinds, that are the, what it is that you reckon the policies are seem to be missing?
3: Thank you very much, uh, Mona Lisa. I, I wouldn't really want to then say the policies are, are missing something. I want to be specific given that uh, we had the recent announcements right. both from the minister of finance as well as from the reserve bank of zimbabwe uh, and that was on the on, on monday the 27th of june 2022 those announcements came after we had also made some recommendations and uh, i have seen people commenting on that and some actually saying there's nothing really that was said but uh when i look at it from my perspective i think The fact that the minister did not rock the boat for starters is a positive to derive from that because we were expecting something a bit drastic that could unsettle uh, the the, the economy. And uh, there's always been uncertainty uh, coming from the policies that have been announced before. People were wondering, is the multi-currency here to stay? Because when it came, it came as a COVID relief measure.
1: We are going to dwell on yeah
3: occurrences. Yeah, I know, but I'm, I'm just commenting with respect to police. Right. So when they then said it's now entrenched in the law, we, we, we took that as a positive from, from that discussion. But specifically to answer your question, particularly in terms of what we feel is, is missing, particularly from these statements, when the minister spoke, we expected that he was going to come up with a way to boost productivity because we have always said it is the biggest problem is the elephant in the room but we felt that that was not adequately covered from that statement and then the three f's that have already been highlighted fuel. few i think world bank have already talked about that and the prices food and then fertilizer the minister talked about food the minister talked about fertilizer and the measures that were introduced but uh, the minister did not talk about fertilizer. It was missing. So from the police announcement, we feel that that one is also missing. Then overall, we have also felt that adequate consultation has not happened. Most times, we've been ambushed. There's been ambushed police making. And as the Chamber of Commerce, we felt that probably if we were consulted more, then we could actually then present what we feel it must be done in the economy so that things can happen better uh, going, going forward. They're the things I think we can talk later.
1: Alright, thank you. Um, so, one of the issues that obviously comes as a center of conversation is perception, right? And this perception comes with the policies that we have and uh, how we respond to certain global issues that we're having in, in the world. So, I'll pose this to um, the one who's with the Development Bank As economist uh, Kelvin Banda to tell us what is the what is the perception of Zimbabwe right now like when people hear Zimbabwe I know that we've spoken about what we think internally Uh, I think Eddie highlighted that as well as the ZNCC highlighted that as well but when we look at the global space what, what is the perception
0: yeah. No, thank you very much. Uh, uh, is it Melissa?
1: Mona uh, Lisa.
0: Yes, mm-hmm. Mona Lisa, thank you. Um, first of all, before I respond to you, uh, just to highlight that, um, um, uh, to extend apologies from my country manager, uh, Ms. Mono Mupotola, who hasn't been able to be here. Uh, and I'm stepping in, uh, in her shoes. So, coming to the uh, question that you have posed to me, um, well, Zimbabwe is actually well known. Uh, uh, worldwide uh, For many reasons uh, One of the uh, reasons Is that Zimbabwe is very rich In the, its resources And Zimbabwe has got a Highly skilled uh, people uh, And you find uh, Zimbabweans Across the, uh, the continent And beyond And working in various uh, uh, Organizations with so much skills And expertise So Zimbabwe uh, from that perspective I think is well known Um, On the other side, also Zimbabwe is known because of the sanctions that are there uh, or the economic challenges that Zimbabwe has but also because of the debt burden that the country has Um, I think uh, these are also uh, perhaps not necessarily negative but are issues that are uh, also put Zimbabwe on the map uh, out there Um, But, you know, Zimbabwe is one of those countries which is uh, uh, highly respected uh, I think it's a, at the center of uh, you know, discussions across uh, with uh, among its development partners in terms of how the country moves forward and how can we support Zimbabwe to move forward I think from the Africa Development Bank point of view, this is why we are also here and we are grateful that we are here as part of this discussion so that we can also contribute uh, towards uh, the movement forward for this country. Thank you
1: Alright, uh, thank you so much for that So I just want us to lay a bit of background of our conversations that we're going to have and I know that the previous speaker spoke passionately about how it's important for businesses to be sustainable but it's important to also factor in the fact that that is also determined by the environment in which they are operating in, if they are going to be sustainable. And I think the word that has been thrown around throughout the conversations is resilient. And I think that is one word that can be used to describe Zimbabwean businesses considering um, the environment that we are working in. And I know that here, Ms. Impinu, before spoke about how one of the recommendations that she spoke about is the importance of having energy efficiency. And that is where I'm going to uh, bring in Engineer Magorimbo in the conversation um, to, to talk about energy and um, at some point, I think it's in 2020, you were quoted to say that the era of lot shedding is behind us. But that doesn't seem to be the current situation right now. I know NCC did a survey talking about how lot shedding, power cuts have affected businesses. So where are we? What's the, maybe in your perception or in what's on the ground as the Ministry of Energy, what's the energy situation? so that we don't put words into your mouth.
4: (laughs) Thank you. I think the energy sector is not um, independent from what is going on worldwide. I'm happy that I'm talking after the World Bank because they've already spoken to some of the issues which were part of my um, issues, which I'll put on the table. We are coming in a situation where we currently have a supply deficit. Demand is higher than what we are able to supply. That's uh, the first uh, hand, headwind which we have. And we are also in a situation where the energy mix is coming in from various sources which is coal, hydro, a small uh, independent power producers who well are on the on the ground. And they are still not supplying sufficient power to meet the demand, which is positively growing, which is good for us say it's, 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 it's an opportunity. We as um, the Minister of Energy have looked through our strategic plan. We have looked at four critical issues which we need to do. We are aware of the supply deficit. And we are importing in the case where the imports still don't meet the deficit we are then uh, load shedding as the last resort. And if you look at our load shedding, is targeting non-productive sector. So, And we recognize the fact that we do have a capacity shortfall. And one of the reasons why we are still in a capacity shortfall today is because the plant, which is one gear seven and eight, which we expected to be in by end of 2020, has been delayed by almost a year because of COVID. So that's one of the biggest challenges we had because it disrupted supplies. It disrupted even the implementation of the program. So we, in 2020, assuming everything had been well and we had not had the disruption of COVID, which almost took us a year back, would have had 600 megawatts in service today as additional capacity, which would have alleviated our challenges uh, significantly, So nevertheless, we have not sat back and said, uh, that's, uh, that's the situation we are in, we recognize that situation, and we have a number of interventions which we are putting in place to make sure that we address the capacity shortfall. One of the first issues which we are doing is we are proceeding with new capacity. Building new capacity, not just as government, the additional six hundred megawatts, but we also have private sector who are now building power plants. And I would like to recognise some of our, some of your, 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 your sponsors here, like the likes of Old Mutual, Equinet. We have done a lot in putting in their own private um, uh, power into this, into the system to complement government efforts. Why I'm saying that and mentioning these in particular is because I believe, as part of my recommendations, which I'll speak to later, Mm -hmm. is that everyone has a role to play in terms of provision of energy, especially with regards to electricity. And with the new renewable energy technologies everyone can do something about their own energy situation and actually improve their productivity without necessarily resorting to the uh, grid uh, supply. Having said that, we also recognize some of our independent power producers. We have tried to come online and the reason why we have at least about 20 megawatts of new capacity in terms of solar half of that being for own consumption and about half of that going into the grid is because we have had private sector participation through some of the uh, institutions which have funded those projects. Instead of us accessing the um, much needed financing, which is one of our biggest challenges in the sector, we have not had access to international low cost finance, which is what the rest of the world is accessing. If you look at the latest statistics from IRENA with regards to new renewable capacity which has come into the world, only 2% of billions of dollars which have gone into the renewable energy sector have gone to the whole of Africa. So we are not accessing those funds and some of the issues I'll speak to later. But over and above, something which you mentioned is that once we know we have a capacity shortfall which can range between zero to 200 megawatts, we also have industries and consumers in general who are not energy efficient. We are still wasting energy in a situation where we are very much in a capacity shortfall and we know that we don't have sufficient energy. You will then have the same industries and commerce leaving their offices with lights on and they expect to find lights at home when they've left them on with no one there and air conditioners on and everything else going on there and we know that we have capacity shortfall, so we all have a role to play in this whole issue but the most critical issue is that we are also in an energy uh, I think the biggest risk we have at the moment is that of fuel where which has been raised by the World Bank and I'm happy they have raised that because the crude prices have increased more than 350%, but when this fuel price in Zimbabwe increases by the same ratio, everyone cries foul. This is, these are the realities which we are facing, and I think from a policy perspective, targeted subsidy is critical, and you'll find that government has really concentrated also on looking at targeting subsidy, especially where they can on public transport to ensure that they are target, also the vulnerable. But over and above, I would like to indicate that as government, within the NDS-1, we are concentrating on one, maintenance and rehabilitation of existing infrastructure, because it's critical that the infrastructure we have at least should give something uh, and its maximum capacity. But we are we having old equipment, which is really needs dire rehabilitation. The second issue is that we want to develop new projects. We are doing that to Seven and Eight. We also like have the likes of Patoka, which are coming. But most importantly, is we want the private sector to participate because the energy specs has been opened for the private sector. Third is capacity building. We are bringing in new disruptive technology technologies. There is need to build capacity. Once we are educated and skilled. There's a lot of new technologies which are coming up which we need to be capacitated to uh, handle. Because you can see there's a lot of resistance in people adopting some of these new technologies, including those who are in this room. And then the last but not least is the research and technology and the innovation which needs to come with what we are doing. We want to be working quite closely, not just with the universities, but we need industry to fund some of the innovation and and research and development to ensure that we move on to the next level. So at this point, I would just want to indicate that we are aware of our capacity shortfall and we are doing something about it, but we need everyone to work together with us to ensure that whatever demand gap we have at any given time, everyone plays their part to ensure that it's minimized and its impact is uh, less than what It can be if we all work as if it's business as usual. All
1: right. So while you still have the mic, Engineer Magorimbo, you spoke about um, government policies. You also spoke about some of the measures you've put in place to also alleviate the price pressures, especially on fuel. I think on Monday, when the minister made his presentation, he spoke about reduced levies for petrol and completely taking it off on diesel. And just now the World Bank was talking about the global pressures. Right and talking about fuel crisis that is happening across the world in the long term is this sustainable Uh, considering all this that is happening business will plan Uh, one of the issues that business constantly says is we are failing to plan because the government is not consistent with the policy so in the long term is this sustainable to keep these levies subsidized by government and should government should business entirely plan Based on this policy statement pronouncement if I could call it that
4: uh, thank you for that question I think the key issue is that government interventions will come in to address the issues which will be happening at hand over and above I think you realize that about three weeks or so ago government after cabinet came up with some of the long term sustainability measures, which we want to take care of as we move forward to to address the issues of um, ensuring uh, some form of sustainability in the prices of of fuel. One of the issues which we said we'll do as a long-term measure is to look at how do we increase our strategic reserves, and we are already working on that. Because you find that most economies, before they can start feeling the pressure of any external uh, uh, pressures coming with new prices, they will try and release at least their strategic reserves, which we have done. However, we didn't have much, so we will continue to build on our strategic reserves, because they are critical for us to come in and address some of these price pressures. Two... We are also re-looking at our procurement model as a country in terms of how do we then come up with economies of scale and do longer term contracts, although in the current situation we have, everyone is affected by the prices, because prices have not seesawed, but they've consistently begun going up right. over the period. So I think industry and all of us have to work together with this Exogenous factor It's an external factor which we have no control over And everyone has to look at How efficient they can Operate and improve On their operational efficiencies To maximize And reduce the impact of this External factor onto Their production processes But government will continue to make whatever They can to intervene To try and control But you can only do so much If the prices are still going up some of those costs will still have to be passed through.
1: So in the long term, should business plan with this current situation? Or they should plan knowing it might change anytime soon?
4: I think the World Bank made a clear presentation which said that the major risk which came with the current geopolitical instability which is happening in Eastern Europe is that of pricing of energy. It's, it's, one would expect... But I'm not a politician. One would expect that if that situation is resolved, we expect then stability. But we, for now, we have no control, even as government, over those external factors. Those are international factors which all of us will hope and pray that they will be resolved sooner than later. And that way, then we'll then expect stability. But without that resolution of the current situation, I, I think we need to plan with the view that we would expect this situation to be extend, sustained to a point where obviously there's saturation in the market in terms of how much uh, more price pressure people can take.
1: Okay. Shelton, I haven't forgotten about you. I just need to get some stuff out of the way before we talk about uh, markets and such. So there's a point that Engineer Magorimbo point, uh, highlighted earlier, which I'm going to pose to, uh, to Marjorie as well as to Kelvin. She says that Zimbabwe is failing to access funds that are available to other African countries. Would you know why that is? Thank you, <laughs> Um So I'll
5: take the easy way out uh, and say for the bank, we do provide a lot of financing to a lot of countries uh, around the energy sectors. Unfortunately, Zimbabwe is in a country in arrears to the bank and to the Africa Development Bank. And because of that, our financing does not come to Zimbabwe. The work we have done uh, here is a lot of technical assistance work. And we've worked very closely with the Ministry of Energy. We work very closely with various government ministries. Uh, but it's mainly on technical assistance work. And uh, PS uh, mentioned uh, a lot that they have done. Uh, some of it is actually backed by research that the bank has uh, done with the ministry, uh, including the recent uh, 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 increase uh, in uh, in pricing, uh, but with uh, with a, a, a provision for a lifeline or a life band for the poor. Uh, for the bank, as you know, we always consider the go-go in the village, Kumusha, Uh, and the vulnerable we are all about poverty alleviation so as we discuss this it's important for us to remember that go go in the village how does all this impact and that's what we focus on in the way we work in the way we advise the government so unfortunately financing for projects has not come in until the areas are cleared and it's been over 20 years
1: are you agreeing there Calvin is that the same reason on your end
0: yeah, uh, sorry. Um, thank you. Yes, I think for the African Development Bank, it's the, exactly the same uh, challenge that we have uh, with the similar uh, to the World Bank. Um, the government has uh, outstanding areas with the African Development Bank, and and for that reason, we are not able to uh, finance uh, investment projects to the government. But having said that, the Zimbabwe is accessing some uh, financing from the African Development Bank from what we call the transitional support facility and um, with this uh, we are able to support some of the uh, emergency or activities but also um, uh, technical assistance or the specific areas uh, especially public finance management uh, for example we provided support under the covid response that also came from the transitional uh, support facility and uh, recently also the uh, the bank announced a um, uh, food crisis uh, uh, response following the, the impacts of the Russia-Ukraine conflict uh, of 1.5 billion, and Zimbabwe uh, actually requested the, the, the African Development Bank to respond to that so that they are able to access that. And we are considering that request on the basis uh, from the transitional risk, uh, support facility as well. Okay. Uh, that has not yet approved, but this, these are some of the considerations that we are supporting. Despite the challenges that are there. All
1: right. Thank so, you. as this session is titled, second half of 2022 economic outlook, the headwinds as well as the recommendations, and we are going to move into the recommendations in a bit. But um, earlier on, Eddie spoke about inflation, Shelton. I'm coming to you. Um, spoke about inflation and what we have seen world over. Inflation, interest rates, they affect what happens on the stock market. Can you just walk us through, just briefly, walk us through uh, all these issues that have been highlighted by the previous speakers? What impact has it had on, on the stock market and in the investment space?
6: Hello? Yeah, I think it's working now. So thank you, Mona Lisa. I got it right? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, I think as a point of departure, any investor anyway, in ZIM, in South Africa in the UK in the US whenever you put in some funds aside and you're investing what you are expecting is growth um, the growth that you expect is what is called real growth so when I talk about real growth you're saying there is going to be all these things going on inflation and whatever but whatever growth I'm going to experience needs to at least compensate inflation. So, let's come back to Zim now. Zim has had a difficult um, macro setup, predominantly currency depreciation and high inflation. So, every investor is looking for an asset that can preserve value. Every investor is looking for an asset that can at least maintain the the dollar value, the indexed US dollar value, that's what we use on a daily basis. So in the last couple of years, we have seen a shift in terms of investor appetite for what one would call fixed income or interest-bearing investments. And this is precisely the reason why I think two or three days ago uh, the government did try to address those issues. But I think we are way off there. So. Government has been borrowing uh, honorable minister deputy minister. We have to say the truth the government has been borrowing and it is borrowing every other week. They come to the market. They issue tb's They have been paying an average of 25 percent What was inflation? What is inflation? So you can see why investors tend to shy those kind of instruments? we have seen investors moving in numbers towards the stock market, the Zimbabwe Stock Exchange. And in the last two years, in real terms, in US dollar terms, the stock market has done exceptionally well. In 2021, it was double in real terms. And the reason is exactly why uh, what I've mentioned before in so far is seeking value preserving assets. Now, in recent days, and I'll take you to two months ago, Politicians, I'll start with politicians and then government. They have been making certain pronouncements around the ZSE, which is not correct and I want you to, to set the record straight here. The, the ZSE is a cash market. The ZSE in terms of how it functions, you put in money today to buy shares, you've got the money from somewhere else. Where, the, where did that money come from? If you borrowed, if someone created the money, the it does not create the money. For you to buy the shares, you need to have received or gotten the money from somewhere else. Let's break it down into numbers here so that we can uh, exactly review what is going on. So the peak for the market this year was april twenty seven if I'm not mistaken, uh, which is about two months ago. after the pronouncements and then we had uh, the weekend announcement as well from the from the president. Since then, because of the negative energy around the ZSE, it has been on a downward trend. Yeah. Um, the ZSE has lost an average of 30% from the April 27 peak. Remember, there has been accusations that the market is the one that is creating a liquidity. There's all, those, all sorts of things coming through. At the same time, the exchange rate within that particular period, both the formal market and the parallel market he has been depreciating um, April 27 I think the exchange rate if I was not missed I'm not mistaken uh, on the auction rate was around uh, 160 I think today we're looking at about 367 we can all calculate and we know what the depreciation is on the parallel market looking at more or less the same period the exchange rate was around 360 I don't know what the number is now 650 700 but you can see what has happened to the currency side and the stock market has gone down yeah. what is the cause the real issue which sort of speaks to the headwinds that we're talking about is in my view the growth in money supply growth in money supply which we need also to say the truth about this government has been Coming out talking about quarterly targets uh, for reserve money i don't think that is what we need to be looking at from now onwards. The issue has to be at a bare minimum, if we do not want to look at broad money supply let's look at narrow money and this looks at things like your paper currency, your coins and everything that you use in terms of the circulation. Um, there is a British economist who was called charles goodhart he he has a very good uh, well, there's a law that is named after him called the Good Arts Law, which says that when a measure becomes a target, it ceases to become a good measure. We are so fixated on reserve money and we are missing the broader picture, which is broader money supply. Let me break it down. I've done some calculations for you to try and understand the relationship between broad money supply and the depreciation in currency and inflation there is close to 0.99%, which is close to 1, the correlation between broad money supply and the currency, hence these numbers that we've seen. Uh, A lot of us here can say correlation does not mean causality. That's very true. You can go deeper and do another number that's called the R-squared. So the R-squared does explain exactly the relationship between two variables. It's about 0.95 between broad money supply and currency rate. If you want to get down to the numbers, between end of December 2021 and April, where we are now, money supply went up by about 41% in four months. This is the stat- these are the statistics up to end of April. We are sitting on 671 billion up to end of April. I don't know what has happened in May and June, but if you look at the exchange rate it will tell you a story. Now, forget about January, February, you break it down again into March and April. The cumulative increase in the four months is $196 billion in terms of overall money supply growth. But 84% of that was in two months. Hence, in my view, the depreciation that we had in the currency between March and April and potentially what we are experiencing now. So in short, uh, Mona Lisa, to answer you, the investment climate that we're having now is looking for real asset. And if you go back again, let me twist it. The reason for the potential increase in money supply, uh, one of them, let me say one of them, is government apparently funding infrastructure projects through creation of money but we are the investors we are there the pension funds we are saying create long-term instruments for us we are happy to fund this if you create a sustainable environment but if there is that mismatch between inflation and currency depreciation we will be hesitant to give you money when month-on-month inflation is averaging 30 percent in short we are looking for real assets Mm -hmm. let's not scapegoat let's look at the real issue which is affecting all these things, which is broad money supply or money supply growth. Thank you.
1: So, so like you said, that it has um, the ZTC has gone down, like it's in the red. I don't know now with closing the closing time now what it is, but yesterday when it closed off, it was predominantly in the red, right? And I think you have explained why that is. And what you've also seen in international markets is direct impact on the markets and interest rates as well so let's look at the recent pronouncement by the reserve bank to, to increase interest rates to 200 percent what effect does that have on the already plummeting stock exchange
6: so at the face of it uh, mona Lisa, you should ideally be happy that now you have you can channel some funds into fixed income instruments but if you dig deeper that is not the truth okay so in the same instrument the the arabiz the, the through uh, an instrument did suggest that certain minimum, because there are two things here when we talk about uh, interest rate. There is the lending side. I saw a few of my bankers friends are here. There is the lending side and the deposit side. The lending side is the cost to you and me. When we go there, we look for money from the bank. What I am looking at as an investor is the deposit side. The deposit side, looking at the time deposits, the Arabized says it's a minimum of 80%. So that's, that's clever language. You can say it's a minimum. But ideal, banks will already look at that. That's, that's where they will sit. If you, if you want to create an environment where the Zim dollar is attractive, the Zim dollar, you create a savings culture. You need to have real positive deposit rates. So in the short, what I'm saying is, we will not see a huge influx of funds being moved from looking for real assets towards fixed income. I expect the stock market uh, to to, to perform very well. In fact, in real terms now, the stock market is really, really cheap in US dollar terms. Precisely for the same reason that I've mentioned that there's been a lag in so far as the market has gone this way, currency has gone this way. But more than that, the underlying businesses the underlying value of these businesses has been quite good if you look at the results that all these businessmen are here they are running these companies they've done a fantastic job the volume growth is phenomenal the u.s dollar generation is fantastic we're beginning to see u.s dollar dividends so the market is quite cheap i expect the market to be able the ZSE in particular to be able to attract a lot of this excess ZWL that I spoke about and we should see the market growing. We have very limited options in so far as putting excess uh, ZWL involved. Yeah. Thank
1: you, Shelton. I think you have um, briefly spoken about the second half of 2022, what uh, we're looking forward going forward. So, Eddie, I'll come to you. What are your projections? Right. Um, you spoke about inflation you spoke about a number of issues that you highlighted earlier about what is currently wrong right now and we are literally at the first half of the year getting into the second half so what are your projections for inflation the power market exchange rate
2: well first of all <coughs> Mona Lisa uh, Shelton Makura Koto. <laughs> you were spot-on okay and uh, that's a word of truth Uh, It was really great certainly money supply growth has been a major major issue what I would uh, argue with you a little bit is where it's coming from you realize that with the backlog on the auction running to five months uh, the Reserve Bank is having to buy foreign exchange off the market from the exporters at the new prices to settle allocations made five months ago and the loss on that is three times the value of the asset involved. And that involves printing money wholesale. My first advice to the business community is tighten your seat belts. Seriously. Um, I don't see the measures adopted in the last few days having any impact at all on the underlying instability in the money market. I think that uh, inflation is going to continue to escalate. I predict in hyperinflation within two months. Hyperinflation is 50 percent per month. And in a way, you can see the Minister of Finance agrees with that, because the uh, World Bank um, representative here today has talked about the pressure on our fiscal. In fact, there is no pressure. The guy is rolling in money. Because every U.S. dollar that they liquidate on the, on the auction, the value has gone up three times in the last two months. And remember, 25% of the revenue to government is in U.S. dollars. On top of that, ordinary taxation is already up 200% for the year. And I don't see any possibility of that slowing down, and neither does the minister. So I forecast... Um, high levels of inflation for the rest of the year um, in local currency. You mustn't forget that in US dollar terms the inflation is only about 2 or 3%. And 75% or more of all transactions in Zimbabwe today are conducted in US dollars. You know, this is the crazy thing about Zimbabwe. How can anybody understand what goes on here? In 2021, the Zimbabwe stock market was the best performing stock market in the world in U.S. dollar terms. This is a nuthouse. And I think the inmates are running the show. Is that too strong? No, I don't think so. (laughs) Because really the solutions are comparatively simple and straightforward. And I would like to suggest that, that the second recommendation is to the business leadership of this country get together and formulate a policy proposal which will solve the problem. The way things are happening at the moment and the solutions being tendered are not addressing the fundamental issue. The Secretary for the Ministry of Finance told us on Monday that there is a billion US dollars coming into the country every month My goodness, that's 30% up. It's 70% up in two years. Where is all this money going? We know that our historical import demand is about 6 or 7 billion. Now we're talking 12 billion dollars of money available. If that was marketed properly, if that was exchanged properly in a regular market situation, our Zimbabwe dollar would be amongst the strongest in the region. If I go to any country in Southern Africa and I take 100 or 300 or 400 US dollars in my pocket, I can't spend it. If I go to South Africa, I can't hire a taxi in US dollars. I go to Zambia, Mozambique, Malawi, you can't spend US dollars there because they want their own currency. So, what's wrong with us? It's simply the way we trade our foreign exchange. And the foreign exchange market is the problem. It is the issue Everything else is peripheral The third thing is we've really got to sort out our farming We've really got to get our new farming new farmers back on their feet and provide them with an operating environment In which they can really produce the goods We know we as a country Can be an export surplus nation as far as food is concerned and yet this year We're going to import nearly a million tons of maize We're going to import three-quarters of the oil seeds we need. We're going to import 50% 50 of the wheat. All of that can be produced locally. All of that, and by our new farmers. But we need to sort out the compensation to our farmers. We need to sort out the question of stability and leasehold rights. We need to sort out the financing and the marketing. And all of that is a shambles. It's a complete shambles. I'm working at the moment with the government to try and reorganize the cotton value chain. I've never seen such a mess loaded with corruption and poor pricing and under invoicing of exports, you name it, those guys are doing it. And we need to sort these things out because unless you sort these things out there's no future for agriculture in Zimbabwe. And agriculture is the cornerstone of this economy. And then finally we need to look at our fiscal policies and please the job done by our minister of finance in the last 4 years has been outstanding our fiscal situation has been completely sorted we have a balance of, we have a surplus in our, in our in our in our budget budget discipline is absolute no permanent secretary can uh, overspend their budget without approval and all of these things have been sorted out the imf and the world bank say that the fiscal side of zimbabwe is being well run let's keep it that way because we don't, the 2005 to 2008 crisis was fiscal instability. That was the driver. And then finally, we need to recognize that this issue of the free trade zone, which you're going to be discussing tomorrow morning, Hokoyo, it's coming. We have signed the damn thing. And if we do not have our own currency, we will not be able to compete. If we, re, we are re right now. The Zimbabwe dollar is dead. You might as well hold a funeral for it. It has no value in the marketplace. I can remember a time when I went down to Mozambique back in 1987, and I had a bucket, a 20-liter bucket of metakash left over from a business trip to Beira. And I went into a market, and I said to the woman in the marketplace, Mama, what can I buy with this? She threw the metakash on the ground and said, for the bucket, I'll give you that. And that is exactly where we are today, with our own currency. And if you don't have your own currency, you, we know from the GNU, you're not competitive. Join the GNU, 95% of what we sold in our supermarkets was produced in our neighboring states. Now it's 60, 60% local. That's huge progress. We're going to jeopardize all of that. This is not a, not a peripheral issue. This is a fundamental issue for the future. And then finally the question of infrastructure and power. Madam Secretary, you talked about the current deficit. Sydney Garter is here tomorrow. You ask Sydney, he's got applications from business in this country for an additional two thousand megawatts. What are we currently producing? Twelve hundred. I hope you look at the spray over the over the over the pools and say, Thank God every minute. Because with the way that Falls is running today. We're going to have sufficient water to continue to generate power at Kariba. God help us if we have another dry season. And we need to get on top of this. We cannot grow if we don't have power. It's as simple as that. We cannot grow. Speaking Look of at South of Africa. Eddie? Look Sorry. at South Africa yesterday 26,000 megawatts short, 50%. If we don't recognize that we're in a real crisis situation which needs a fast resolution, let me tell you. We're living in cuckoo land.
1: Know. While you still have the mic, Eddie, uh, I wanted to ask you about growth. You spoke about growth. And earlier in the year, the minister projected that the country is going to grow by 5.5%. And on Monday, he did say he might revise it with the upcoming mid-term fiscal policy. What are your predict- projections on, on the growth?
2: I agree with the World Bank. Uh, this economy is growing and it's growing fast. It's growing faster than the predictions made. Um, Zimbabwe is, is growing our export industries are all expanding rapidly, uh, the mining industry is doing fantastically well, there's a lot of investment taking place and uh, virtually all the. we heard from the stock market, uh, every business that I speak to are maxed out in production, they need to start investing in, 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 uh, in, in production. Our biggest problem, madam, our biggest problem when it comes to putting our economy back on its feet is that we are completely isolated from the world, the world economy. You've heard that from the World Bank and the African Development Bank. They can't lend us money. And that's not just because we're in arrears. Because our arrears are bugger all. 2.7 billion dollars. It's petty cash. It's because of Zadira. United States, which is the biggest shareholder in these institutions, has banned access by Zimbabwe to these institutions. And you know, we as a country, how did the Chinese achieve the miracle in the last 50 years. Three things free unfettered access to global markets through the globalization strategies of the United States Number two free unfettered access to the international markets for finance They're able to borrow as much money as they want at one and a half or two percent interest per annum three they had complete access to global technologies and they're able to adopt them and use them. And China has lifted 1.3 billion people out of absolute poverty. What have we done in the same period of time? We still have 45% of our population living in abject poverty. And we need to make it clear to the rest of the world that we cannot lift our people out of poverty if we don't enjoy the same conditions as China has had for the last 50 years. China's not a democracy.
1: Thank you. China
2: doesn't look, look after human rights. So why, what, why do they judge us differently? Why, why this special treatment? I'm sorry, Madam Chair. I'm, I'm a bit hot on this subject. I
1: can tell. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, I'll come to you. As business, you are directly affected by each and every factor that has been highlighted by the panelists here. When you look at the second half of the year, what are your projections and what are your recommendations? Very briefly.
3: Thank you very much, uh, Mona Lisa. Uh, I think uh, I would like to first appear to be more positive uh, by responding to my brother. We have been taught already to differ with love. I I do not agree that the Zip dollar is dead, but uh, the direction that it is going, it may get there if we don't safeguard it. (laughs) But at the present moment, I do not agree that it is dead. I think even the black market rate tops is one, is to 700. You find if you go to Rwanda, the exchange rate is much higher than that, but they don't have the problem that we have here. So
1: how do you see But the uh, rest of the year going, going forward,
3: yes. yes, going forward, which is most critical uh, in terms of recommendation, we expect more confidence building measures. Confidence in our currents, that's the starting point. And my biggest worry is that even from the previous statement from the minister, enough was not done for for, for that. For example, taxes, certain taxes are still needed to be paid in foreign currency when we have a local currency. I thought we we were on a de-dollarization roadmap, and I thought that since the President announced on the 7th of May 2022 that taxes and levies and royalties will be paid in local currency. That would be implemented immediately but unfortunately as we speak right now that is not happening we are still required to pay in the currents of transaction contrary to what the, the president said so in the second half i would anticipate that madame Chinamasa and the minister of finance will operationalize bullet point number 36 from the president's speech and make sure that business at least pay in the currents that is our currency, which is the Zim dollar. That's issue number one that I, I, I recommend. Then secondly, as we go into the second half of the year, we need more dialogue. We need to be talking. It's good we are already speaking right now. It's uh, the, the, the starting point of good things to come. Let's continue uh, engaging. Uh, there's this them and us. Yeah. mentality. I think my brother there talked about uh, even when government ministers are making statements and they are blaming us of sabotage. on the other hand we are also blaming them that is not healthy for business there's need for harmony between business and government so that we confront these problems together we all live one country so if that country collapses if the economy collapses no one benefits at the end of the day then the other thing getting into the second half of the year I think we need to be more truthful we have seen measures that have been implemented but at times you start then wondering for example when figures are thrown around right now we got the uh, latest uh, announcement on the inflation rate one point one nine one point six percent and then you get others who are also computing the same figure i think steve hank is around 377 percent and then you wonder which is which is ours more correct or his is correct and when you then look at even the increase in interest rates and the likely impact of that you then wonder that if the inflation rate that's reported is not the correct one then are we going to get the outcome that was envisaged in the first place. So it's critical that we are truthful to ourselves when we come up with these numbers. It also applies to the issue of the exchange rate, where there's a lot of arbitrage. Everyone knows that the auction rate that people are buying foreign currency at is underpriced. And even banks are taking advantage of that. When even they are buying their own product and want them to pay foreign currency, they are telling us to go to the auction. Why? Because they know that at the auction you get cheap foreign currency. And that needs to stop so that at least the, the right price is paid for, 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 for that uh, the foreign currency. So when I look at it, we started the year with a forecast on for inflation, I think between 25% to 30%. Uh, I think that will be missed, unfortunately. In as much as we want to be positive, that will be missed. But at least what we want to see is at least the business people particularly coming from a conference like this one should be more positive because you find the message so far across has been, it's gloom, mm-hmm. it's not looking good, but in every dark cloud there's a silver lining. Our export numbers are growing up. My brother there, Alan, can confirm. I also sit on the board of Trade. The numbers are good. Let's build on that as we get into the second half uh, of, 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 of the year.
1: Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Calvin. The minister is expected to give his mid-term fiscal policy. I think next month. What are you expecting him to address?
0: Well, um, that that would be very difficult for me to, uh, uh, to I mean, to to judge my uh, uh, to give in my expectations. I think uh, what I can say is that um, we have seen government uh, trying to address some of the issues that are already being raised. Uh, I think if you look at the Article 4 consultations report from the IMF, the issues that they raised, I think macroeconomic stability was one of the key issues that was raised. I think some of the uh, measures that we have seen the Minister already announcing I think uh, are going towards that. Um, however, there could be uh, uh, challenges that we foresee, I think, as the also presentation from uh, Marjorie. Uh, I think we see the, the the shocks that are coming from outside the country. Uh, from the conflict of uh, Russia and Ukraine, but also the poor agriculture season that we had for uh, so, uh, some elements from the uh, uh, COVID uh, uh, pandemic, I think this could also dampen the our expectations uh, uh, going forward. So we do um, uh, think that uh, the Minister is going to take more uh, cautious approach, especially looking at what is happening uh, outside Zimbabwe and its impact on the country. But also uh, we are likely to see a reaction on how we are going, the country is going to mitigate the impacts on the most vulnerable population with the rising uh, prices of, uh, of of oil uh, and food and so on. So these are our expectations, but in terms of our numbers, we were hoping that the country would actually grow at 3.5% uh, for, for this year, by the end of this year. We do think that those numbers will be, um, uh, you know, revised downwards slightly okay. because of this, uh, just what I've just explained, but also to put a caveat there that this is not unique for Zimbabwe. I think this is the context within the Southern Africa region. Actually Zimbabwe is going, our focus says Zimbabwe is going to grow better than most countries in Southern Africa. Uh, it's actually, um, the Zimbabwe we are forecasting 3.5, but for the region as, as SADIC, we're looking at 2.5 uh, growth rate. So in terms of growth, we expect the country to grow with so, m- so much, I think, is happening towards uh, driving growth. I Thank think there you. are elements that have to be addressed, for sure, as he has just explained, but right. I think those are being, are being tackled. Thank you.
1: That was the voice of Calvin Banda, who is an economist with the African Development Bank. As he was speaking on the panel conversation here in Victoria Falls at the Zimbabwe National Chamber of Commerce, Uh, we were looking at the second half of the 2022 Economic Outlook, as well as recommendations on how the economy can grow, especially considering other global pressures. And that's it from me, Mona Lisa Dube at the Congress in Vic Falls. Have a pleasant evening.
0: Business Unusual, separating economic facts from fiction.